Thank you for joining us for the Word and Spirit podcast. Let me remind you to check out the RGM website for news, updates, and free downloads. Now, let's go to Reverend Randall Greer. And made it till I got away. And so I'm out on my third escape from prison. And I'm sitting there, and I'd been on escape, this last escape, for uh, uh, one, almost one year. It was 11 months and some days. And I was in Baytown, Texas. Anybody know where Baytown is? You over by Houston, you know it's not far from there. Baytown, Texas. And Baytown, Texas, anybody where Mickey Gillies Club is? Oh, my God, pray for her, Lord. Help her, Jesus. Pray for her, Lord. We live not far from Mickey Gillies Club. And uh, we was always in and out of there, you know. But I was sitting in this apartment on escape, selling drugs, that's how I was doing it. And I was sitting in this apartment one night. This is getting to where I met Jesus. Had a praying mama, praying Aunt Rosie. Remember, she took me to Gentian Baptist. I had a brother that was a preacher. My daddy uh, that was praying for me and a preacher. And, of course, I hadn't seen them. I couldn't go around them because they'd get arrested, you know, for aiding and abetting the criminal. So I'm sitting in in an apartment in Baytown, Texas, not far from Mickey Gillies Club. And I had a fifth of whiskey in one hand and drugs in the other hand. And I was sitting in one of those... uh, fold out seats like you take outside with a webbing in them. I don't even know if they make that kind anymore because there were so many people in this little apartment. They were sitting in the floor and everywhere. I just got one of the lounge chairs. They'd call it out from the back porch and just fold it out and, and I sat down in it. As I'm sitting there and everybody's sitting around shooting dope, you know, syringes and snorting this and smoking that and drinking that, you know, getting high, call it, having a party, you know. I'm sitting there in that chair and all of a sudden this strange feeling, strange to me, came on me. And then I had this unusual urge that I was going to be a preacher. You're going to be a preacher. And I felt like I should tell those guys and girls that I was in this apartment with that I'm going to be a preacher. So before I could stop myself, with a fifth of whiskey in one hand, drugs in the other hand, I just spoke to all the drug addicts, I'm going to be a preacher. You can imagine they laughed louder. Oh, God. They had visions. And blotter acid, too, along with all this, and took trips. Hey, we used to take trips and never leave the house. Y'all spend all that money going on these trips. We used to take trips and never leave the house. Whoa. We was messed up. One time we thought we was on the moon. We did. Everybody thought we was, we thought we was literally on the moon. The moon had come up bright, and it seemed like it was just hanging right there in the window. And we thought somehow we had traveled to the moon. (laughs) Never left Earth. (laughs) But we took some trips. We just messed up. So when that happened to me, though, I knew, all I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is I knew it was supernatural. It was not natural. And I knew, I didn't understand it. So I just threw the whiskey down, my drugs down, said, y'all, get out of my apartment. I'm leaving for a while. You be gone when I get back. So I got out, and I just drove, you know, where Interstate 10 is. I went up to Interstate 10, and they was working on it. I don't know if they're still working on it. They're working on something all the time. But they used to work on that back in there, especially. And I was driving back and forth, and this is 1982. I'd drive uh, east a while on Interstate 10, and I'd take one of the exits, and I'd come back. 
and I'd drive back that way 15, 20 miles or more, like a tiger would pace in a circus cage. That's kind of the way I was doing it because I was trying to figure out what happened. And I wanted to call back and talk to Aunt Rosie at home or Mama or Daddy or Granny or somebody and ask them, do you all know what's going on with me? Why? You know, I knew this was not a trip. I knew it wasn't a drug. I knew it wasn't an alcohol thing. This was something beyond me. But I knew if I called, then I might get in trouble, and I might get them in trouble. So I finally, in the wee hours of the morning, just got tired, went home, and what we call crashed in those days, went to bed. I woke up very late the next day, you know, 12 or 1 o'clock. I got up, and that was still heavy on me. And I thought, oh, boy, something is, something is right, uh, wrong with me. I don't know what it is. But by that night, I figured, well, I, oh, just me. I was just having that experience, and, you know, it's over with, and, you know, I just thought it happened, you know. That's all it was. It didn't really happen. And so, next thing you know, I'm right back in the same thing that I was doing before. Drugs and alcohol and everything. And so, I was trying to get out of the country. Somebody asked me one time, I was in the northeastern United States, and a pastor asked me, he said, Brother Randy, why in the world did you want to get out of the country? I said, sir, I said, when you get on escape from prison, the ABI, the CBI, the GBI, and the FBI, I said, all the eyes get after you. And I said, I was trying to go to the uttermost part of the earth to get away from them. So I'd heard about a guy down in Galveston, Texas, that had this illegal operation. It looked like a shrimp boat operation. And he had a shrimp boat, but he could get you illegal papers and passports and visas. And for, you know, six to $8,000, according to what you wanted to do, he could slip you over to Mexico and you could live happily ever after. Well, I thought, well, this is what I'm going to do because I'm tired of running. I mean, everywhere I go, the police are just fixing to come in or found out I was there or something, you know. So that was my deal. And so there was two girls and I that plotted this thing that we was going to rob somebody and because I needed uh, some more money to pay the man for the papers. He's getting everything ready. And we was going to meet him that day. We was going to go rob these people in this place, not people, but a place, and then I was going to give them money, give them the vehicle, and then I'm, they're going to drop me off at the shrimp boat deal, and then he's going to take me over to Mexico, and I'm going to live happily ever after. So we start to go down to Galveston, and Galveston, you know, is an island, so the only way on and off is by bridge or ferry. I don't know if they still run into ferry. They are still running the ferry. Anyway, so we went across on the bridge, and when we got down there, I was supposed to turn left on Seawall Boulevard. Anybody know where Seawall Boulevard? It's the main road. You know, I see them back there and up here that runs across up and down the Gulf, Seawall Boulevard. Well, back then, it didn't have all the high-rise hotels it's got now. I mean, but it's got them, you know, and had few back then, but not near what they got now. But, but uh, I was supposed to turn left. But as I was driving down that road towards Seawall Boulevard, that same feeling, ladies and gentlemen, that I had that same sensation in that apartment approximately two weeks earlier when I said I'm going to be a preacher it came on me in that van I'm facing life without parole I, I am a, what they call an habitual offender no hope of ever getting out of prison again but this feeling came on me and I had this I don't know bad feeling that if I turned left that something bad was going to happen to me and I should not turn left so when I got to Seawall Boulevard, instead of turning left, I turned right. Well, the girls hollered and said, you're supposed to be turning left. You know we're going down here and we're going to do this and rob and then going and you're going to do this. 
but I turned right and what I did turn right I went maybe half a mile and then suddenly the Spirit of God invaded that van and they sung that song over me another one bit the dust I come to the end of myself lying over that old Dodge steering wheel van that I was driving suddenly the Lord Jesus revealed himself to me and I saw myself as a sinner and I saw that I was headed to hell fast and I heard these words come real to me he said if you don't turn your life over to me today you're never going to have another chance he said the devil has laid the trap for you he said you're about to walk into it and you're going to wind up dead and in hell so as I was sitting there I remembered Aunt Rosie and going to Gentian Baptist I remembered mom and daddy I remember saying I just started burst out crying I was sobbing uncontrollably these girls had never seen me like that they just knew me as a hardened cold cruel hoodlum that's all they'd known and so I began right then to repent and I said if you're really real like Aunt Rosie said you are if you're really real like granny and mama and daddy said you are I said I'll give you my life I said but my life is messed up and I heard these words if you'll turn your life over to me I'll get out the mess that you've got it into and you'll do what I called you to do remember the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus he heard the Lord speaking to him he heard the Lord talking to him I had an experience like that ladies and gentlemen where he talked to me and told me what I would do and some things that would happen in our future and some of them already happened and some will happen as we're faithful to walk with him but I remember the van door slammed on the side and I looked up startled and those two girls had jumped out and they started hollering he's lost his mind he's lost his mind and they started kind of jogging down the road behind me and I've never heard or seen them since that day they're gone and so I was sitting there in that van. I said, God, what do you want me to do? Which way do I go now? Because I said, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. All of a sudden, the peace of God came on me. And I knew that the demons that I had been yielding to left me. And that I would never be the same again. And then, that same voice that told me some things said this to me said, I want you to turn yourself into the police authorities here in Galveston, Texas today, right now. He said, I want you to waive all your rights of extradition. In other words, don't fight a court battle. He said, go back to the state of Alabama. When you get there, he said, I want you to plead guilty to all five felony charges you're, you have when you get there. My immediate response to his statement was, do what? I thought he had the wrong guy. I about got killed three times escaping, and he's telling me to go back. No convict in their right mind wants to go back to prison facing life without the possibility of parole. But he said, if you don't do what I tell you to do, he said, the devil's laid a trap for you. And I said, I'll do it. And I made the decision in that van. I said, if I have to go to prison for the rest of my natural life because of the crimes I committed, I said, I would rather do that and make heaven my home than to bust hell wide open. So there was a police officer close by. So I went and told this police officer that I'm on escape from prison. I never dreamed 
I would do anything like this in my life. In fact, my talk had been this. I'll make the big guns shoot before they get me back. The big guns shoot for convict talk was they'll kill me. I ain't going back. But I, my life was so gloriously changed when I met Jesus that my mind changed, my thinking changed, and I was going to let God work in my life. And so that day, when I turned myself in that police officer, he thought I was the biggest nut that ever hit Galveston, Texas. He said, stand back, stand back, you know, because he didn't believe me. You know, I said, sir, I said, I, I said, I just got born again. I got saved. And I said, I'm on my third escape from prison. I got five felony charges. And I said, will you please arrest me? Stand back, stand back. So he got his car radio. Back, this is before they have all these computers in the cars, you know. So he got on the radio, and he got my social security number and everything, and my name, just had to spell it out. And then he called it in, and they put it in the computer back there, you know. And then it wasn't long before he jumped out of that car with his pistol drum and said, spread eagle on the hood. Now, if you don't know how to do that, I think there's some fellows in here that knows how to give lessons about that. <laughs> and maybe some more. Maybe I give some lessons about how to do that at the church. You know what I mean? Vulnerable position. So I spread eagle on the hood. I put my hands out, stretched my feet out. He came up behind me, put your hand behind your back, put your other hand, and he handcuffed me. Then he put a chain around my waist and, and put it to my feet and to my hands too. So I'm in shackles, chains, and handcuffs. And they took me down to the Galveston County Jail. They put me there, and they talked to me, and I told them I'm guilty of everything. And I'm guilty of all crimes. I told them everything I'd ever done wrong, things that I had, they had never even charged me for. I told them all that too. I said, I just, well, I'm coming clean. You don't need to lie. I'm clean now. I mean, I'm for real. And if I had to go to prison the rest of my life, fine. But I'm going with God. So they put me in a, a cell there and had to hold me about a month and a half. And then the state authorities came and picked me up in this prisoner transport plane. It was a twin engine, about a six or eight seater. Don't know what it was, but because back then, you know, I didn't know planes or nothing. They said the reason they put me in an airplane because they kept me on the ground, I might run again. So <laughs> I probably wouldn't get out of an airplane, you know. And they flew me back to Montgomery, Alabama, Danley Field, and they landed me there, taking me to Holman Prison, which was where Death Row, the electric chair, and all the lifeboat parolers were housed. It was death by electrocution in those days. Now they give lethal injections, I think, but it was death by electrocution. Now that was going to put me in a life without parole prison because I would never get out of prison again. And they knew that. That's what they were saying. But let me tell you something in closing because I'll just have to start tomorrow and tell the rest. There's so much, it's six hours long. We won't try to do it all tonight. But when I first time ever flew into Montgomery, Alabama uh, City Airport, it's called Danley Field. D-A-N-N-E-L-L-Y, field. The very first time they ever flew in there into my life, I was on a prisoner transport plane going to prison for the rest of my natural life, and rightfully so, because I had broken the laws of the land. But the very next time that I flew into Montgomery Airport, which is many years later, I was in Randall Greer Ministries airplane preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same prisons that they said I'd never get out of. And I'm standing here tonight. During this series of meetings, I'll tell you how to believe God for a miracle. 
but I received a miracle of salvation. That's the first miracle, getting right with God. There's a lot of miracles I've received since then, and the Lord has taught me. In fact, they told me that I would never receive a full pardon, but I got one with the right to own and possess a firearm, which is shotguns, rifles, and pistols for city folks. And I was in prison for armed robbery. It is unheard of. But when you know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he can work situations and work miracles if you'll trust him and believe him that nobody else can do. Amen? The Lord set me free. And, he, and of course, uh, I'm, I'm going back to prison now, so you'll have to stay in prison with me tonight and all day tomorrow. Tomorrow night, maybe we might get you out tomorrow night. I don't know for sure. Anyway, you just, just suffer with me. But we're in Holman Prison right now. They took me from the airport, I mean, from there on a prisoner transport van, and they took me down to Holman, which is in Atmore, Alabama, about 60 miles north of Mobile, Alabama, and they drove me through the Sally Port. That's a special gate called a Sally Port there to go into the prison. I don't know why they call it Sally Port, because I never saw Sally. I've looked and looked, and Sally has never been there. But they take you in and they shut these gates around you before they let you off. They call them Sally Ports, so you can't escape. Got officers up there with towers in the towers with guns and rifles so they can shoot you if you decide to run. So I'm so glad you came to Thank you for joining us for the Word and Spirit podcast with Reverend Randall Greer. Join us next time when Reverend Greer brings us the Word of God. And remember, God is with us.